these are words that I'm saying before the music starts. Hey everybody, this is Doug Birch and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. So uh, we are living in strange times, aren't we? Uh, we're using lots of words like coup, um, sedition, tearing the very fabric of our nation apart, destroying democracy, stuff that we thought we would never hear in our lifetime. So how do we respond to the season we're in? Well, I've found that sometimes when I just talk things out with you, it helps you and it helps me. Well, maybe it'll just help me. Anyway, we're going to talk about how to respond to these very divisive times. Welcome to the Fairly Spiritual Show. I am Pastor Doug Birch, and I'm so glad you could join me today. Now, depending upon when you're listening to this podcast, uh, it might just be somewhat normal. It might just be the day after uh, there were people uh, breaking into uh, the U.S. Capitol and calling for the overturning of an election, or uh, I don't know. It might be we might be in the middle of a civil war. Or things might be peaceful and we've just moved on. Uh, it's really hard to know what things are going to be like in the next couple weeks and the next couple months and uh, in our near and our distant future. And so how do we respond to seasons like this? Um, so here's something I want to say right off bat. Uh, it's not my job to tell you how to live your life. Uh, it's not my job to say you should do it this way and you should do it that way. I have opinions about what I think Scripture says, and I'm going to tell you how I am trying to respond to these things, but I don't know you. And so one of the things I want to encourage you with is I'm saying general things. And sometimes when I say general things, people take it very specifically as a insult to their own specific standing. And, and it might, you know, I might say something that goes directly against what you believe, but know that I'm not looking you in the face and saying, you know what's wrong with you? I'm just trying to speak in general terms about what I believe. And in speaking in general terms, it will have specific consequences with certain relationships. Nonetheless, I think healthy environments allow people to speak their mind in a climate of love. And so uh, I'm not going to hide who I am because someone might attack me or yell at me or ridicule me or reject me. And I wouldn't want you to hide yourself either unless uh, yourself is trying to harm others intentionally trying to do wicked things. So we have to find a way to be able to talk about how we feel, what we truly believe. Uh, so a couple things. Uh, right now in, in our nation, uh, well, one thing you see this on social media is when things are out of control, uh, a lot of things happen. When things are out of control, when we feel powerless, and also when we feel like our values are being devalued, uh, not respected. So let me say those again. When things are out of control, when we feel powerless and we feel like our values are not being valued or respected, uh, what we believe in is being devalued. In times like this, um, we often get angry. And anger is a very normal, natural response to such things. It's not wrong to get angry. In fact, anger is an expression of powerlessness, 
a loss of control, a sense that I don't feel like anything is within my control, and a place of being devalued. There's other expressions that go along with that. Anxiety. Anxiety is an appropriate response to feeling powerless, to feeling like things are outside your control and that you're being devalued. And also a third one is depression. Feeling depressed and what's the use and it's hopeless. And in fact, you'll often see this cycle that occurs, that uh, we get nervous, we're powerless, things are outside our control, uh, who we are is being devalued. So we get very anxious and we try to do something about it. We try to fix it, right? Or, or we get uh, very angry that we can't fix things and uh, we express that anger. Or, you know, we've expressed our anger and we've worked with that anxiety, but it hasn't done anything. And then we just say, well, you know, what's the use? Let's just give up and wait for Christ to return. The reason I bring this up is I want you to know that when we're going through a season like this, you'll see this on social media, you'll see it in churches, you'll see it in group settings, that more and more people are feeling powerless. They're feeling like things are outside their control, and they're also feeling like their values are being devalued. What will happen is people will lash out in anger, and their anger won't always be directed uh, towards the real source of their anger. They might be angry about what President Trump is doing, but instead of uh, you know, directing it towards what President Trump is doing, they direct it towards their family, towards friends, towards other people on social media, through other people involved in the system. They try to find a place where they think they have control, where they have voice, and they express their anger in the relationships that they have voice. You can see this even, let's say, in a term, I'll give you a perfect example of this, uh, with a divorced couple. Uh, divorce can be healthy where both parents are actively involved and working together, but sometimes divorces are not healthy. And you'll find one parent who is available, who's nurturing, who's trying their best to help the kids and, and help with the complexities of the divorce, while the other uh, parent is not taking the same responsibility. What you will find in these things is sometimes the kids are very angry at the parent who is not being a good parent. But because it's outside their control, because they can't make their dad love them or their mom love them or can't, it's outside of their control, it, they're powerless to do anything about it, and also their value that is being attacked because they're not being loved by that parent in the way they should be loved, that that kid will often take out their anger, not on the parent who's doing the wrong things, but they'll take it out on the parent that they have access to the one that they love, the one that they know they can express their anger and not be rejected, or just this is an area where I actually have some voice and some control because I have relationship. So I just want to warn you on that, that that's what we can do. We can actually allow the sin of one person uh, to lead us to sin against other people, that we can begin to project our anger on others and just kind of take everyone down. And so it's very important that we don't allow the wickedness of one person are, are the And this is my opinion, you can disagree with this, but we don't allow the wickedness of one person to influence how we treat all people. And, and this is, to me, one, one of the things I've been very frustrated with how uh, President Trump has changed the dialogue and the tenor of how we communicate. The anger, the vindictiveness, the calling people enemies of the state, calling, you know, the press enemies, calling the courts enemies, calling uh, anyone who disagreed with him enemies. That, that kind of language, I don't want to adopt that language. I don't want to just not adopt someone's uh, behavior or their ideology. I mean, I don't want to just reject their ideology or their actions. 
I want to reject the way they express that ideology and the way they express their beliefs. And if we're not careful, we're letting evilness and wickedness set the agenda. And so we confront uh, a wicked expression, a wicked spirit, a wicked attitude, and then we respond with a wicked attitude. They hate us, we hate them back, that kind of thing. They harm us, we harm them back. But, but for me, I don't believe that the Bible gives us that ability. So just right at the front, this is one of the ways that I need to deal with times like this. I want to make sure that I recognize it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be anxious. It's okay to be depressed. These are natural, appropriate feelings that rise up when we feel powerless, when we feel out of control. And powerless in that, you know, what can I do to stop what's happening with our president? What can I do to make somebody make rational, sensible decisions? Or powerless in this where you have Christian friends that you feel like have just fully been embraced madness, embraced conspiracy theories, that they're, they're listening to conspiracy websites and giving those more authority than people who produce good fruit, who are respected, who have long track records of decency. In fact, there's pastors listening right now where you have people in your congregation who they respect someone who's angry and bitter and every day on radio or on Twitter or on TV, it's just fueling division and polarization. They're letting that person pastor them more than they're letting you pastor them. And there's an anger that rises up when that happens because you're powerless. You can't do anything. You can't, what can I do to get someone not to go off the deep end when there's someone in your church or someone in your denomination who you just realize has completely embraced a madness? I would say they've embraced the demon of partisanship. Now, people can trend towards Republican or, or Democrat, but when you realize that they've actually substituted the gospel and the righteousness of God to just one political expression, and those are synonymous to them, they, they cannot see the difference between political partisanship and the kingdom of God. And they're blind, and you get angry. You get angry at them, and you also get angry because you don't know what to say. And this is what's happening in social media. Haven't you noticed this? On, with some of the most important events, you feel the most inadequate in being able to express what you feel, right? Anybody on Facebook, you're just, how do, how do I respond? You know, how do I, what do I say? As a pastor, it's the same way. Like, how, how do I even approach this thing? Even with this podcast, I, I, I didn't want to do it. I'm like, ah, I don't want to do it, but I got to do something. I'm like, well, I'm just going to process and maybe people will connect with it or not. But I know that no matter how I do it, some people are just going to tear me apart. Just that this is what I genuinely believe. And it's hard because I wish I didn't believe it that way in the sense of there's no way I can't see it when I'll see a friend who's just fully embraced to me. And this is what I genuinely believe a madness, a satanic foothold. It's what I believe. I'm not trying to be mean. It's what I believe. And when I see someone in that, how do you express that without offending them? So to me, I want to look at these issues that I'm going to be motivated by anger, but I want my anger to be redemptive. I'm probably going to be motivated by anxiety. I'm going to feel anxious, but I want to take my anxiety and make it redemptive. Or even my depression... <laughs> Can there be such a thing as a redemptive depression? Yes. I don't have to live according to the flesh, how I feel, 
but I can live according to the Spirit, that the Spirit can show me how to direct things. And that's about me. Like, each of us have different callings, different personalities. So the way you express things might be very different than the way I express them. But I get to be me too. So you get to be you and I get to be me. And, and I might not do what you want me to do. You might say, Doug, I want you to talk about it this way. And I want you to tweet this way and post this way and podcast this way. And if you're not doing it, you're not doing God's will. Well, I would say, hey, you're not my judge. I'm going to do what I feel I'm called to do. Because you can give me those advocacies, but you're not with me 24 hours a day. You're, you're not in the field I'm in. I am in that field. And if I just follow your advice because you condemn me, you're going to be gone somewhere else. I have to stand before the Lord and do what God has called me to do. And so do you. And I might not understand what you're doing. I might say, I, I, boy, that seems a little too harsh. Or that seems a little too passive. And if we're honest, we feel that way about everyone. We, we tend to feel that anyone who's not like us is doing it not quite right. But the reality is we're the body of Christ, and some people are going to have a stronger voice. Some are going to have a gentler voice. Some people are going to speak. Some people are going to listen. And they're all needed. I know in my marriage that we're not exactly the same. We need a diversity of expression in our marriage, in our family, in our churches, in our community, in our nation. And the danger of social media is we polarize things into you either got to be this way or that way. And if someone isn't acting the way we want them to act, we immediately dehumanize them and put them into a category. And so a lot of that's going to happen in the coming weeks. Because people are angry. They're powerless. They feel out of control. And it's not my job to go around and to tone police people, but I get to proclaim what I believe to be true. And as for me and for my house, I have been called to the ministry of reconciliation. For me, that's the gospel. The gospel is that I was an enemy of God. An enemy of God. And while I was an enemy, God reconciled me. He loved me, and he brought me to a place where I recognized my sins, I could repent of my sins, and I could turn to him. Now, reconciliation isn't just saying, oh, things aren't a big deal, let's just avoid it. Reconciliation isn't, well, let's just not speak the truth. Reconciliation isn't uh, not standing for justice. But the reason I speak the truth or stand for justice is for the purpose of people coming to God, whether it's my enemies or my friends. It's not to defeat them. It's not to win the argument. It's genuinely because I'm speaking the truth because I love them and I want them to turn from darkness to light. Now, you could say you're doing it wrong, you don't know what you're talking about, but that's my motivation. And I think this is even more crucial because I know when people are motivated by love for me or when they're motivated by hate. In general, I do. I know when someone's trying to tear me down and hurt me and win an argument versus when they're generally trying to love me. And this matters much in how we communicate. I can communicate with force, with passion, with conviction, but if I don't love the person I'm communicating with, I'm not an ambassador of Christ. That's my own agenda. If I don't love the person that I'm challenging and confronting, then I'm not an ambassador of Christ. I'm doing it for my own agenda. And if we've seen anything in the last four years, is people can have uh, Christian agendas and they can separate them from the one who gave them that agenda. Even if Christ did give them that agenda, but they can actually take the content of Christianity, they can take the symbols of Christianity, they can take whatever they want of Christianity, and they can use it to attack others, to destroy people, to divide things, to polarize. But that is not what we're called to do. We are called to enter into the ministry 
of reconciliation. Now, I'm going to read uh, what motivates my heart. This is from 2 Corinthians 5, 14. In my book that's coming out, Posting Peace, it's coming out in April. I'm like, man, that seems like forever. But my assumption is the world will still exist in April. God wouldn't have me write this book otherwise. But this is directly associated with what we're going through right now. The book is Posting Peace, uh, Why Social Media Divides Us and What We Can Do About It. And in that book, I talk about how social media truly does dehumanize us. It truly does polarize us and divide us. And we must be intentional with taking what the Bible says about reconciliation and peacemaking and bring it into our social media personas and our social media activity. It's available now, by the way, for pre-order. I'd love it if you'd pre-order it. And yes, I'm going to push it. I'm not going to make any money off this thing. I'm pushing it because I believe in it. I'd also like to make enough money to survive. I don't think that's wrong. But the reality is, I think if people took this seriously, the ministry of reconciliation and how we communicate through social media, the world might not change, but the witness of Christ will change. And people will begin to see a true light in social media of people who act radically different than everyone else. There'll actually be a light that is shining in the darkness. And when people go to that light, they will see the name of Christ. So here's reconciliation as Paul defines it in 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ controls us. Who controls us? Not circumstances around us, not politicians, not the media, if you're worried about that, not pastors. What controls us? The love of Christ. Why are you doing what you're doing? Is it the love of Christ? If not, stop doing it. If it's not the love of Christ, don't do it. If you're not being controlled by the love of Christ, your crusade is not for Christ. Your crusade will not produce Christ. Period. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Who do we live for? Not myself. I live for Christ. It's not to defend my worth. I live for Christ. It's not to defend my emotions and my honor and my opinion and my party and my perspective. I live for Christ. Verse 16, Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. So I'm not going to do things motivated by how, how I feel or how they feel, or what they do in the flesh or what I do in the flesh. I am going to be spirit-led. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. And what he's saying is Christ died on the cross. His flesh died, and we died with him. And now as he is risen victoriously through the Holy Spirit, we live spirit-led from Christ's risen perspective. Let me go on. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What's your ministry? The ministry of reconciliation. If you're a Christian, we all have the same ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. And how is that defined? Well, this is what he says, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, 
We are ambassadors for Christ. What does an ambassador do? Only what the nation wants them to do. So who are we ambassadors of? Christ. What are we motivated by? Christ's love. What is our mission? Reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's our assignment. People say, where are you, God? You know where God is? God is in you, and God is in me, and God is reconciling the world. We can have all the prayer meetings we want, and it's good to have prayer meetings. But you know how Christ is going to be revealed? Christ is going to be revealed through you and me as we engage in the ministry of reconciliation. And I don't know if things are going to get better or things are going to get worse. It doesn't matter. We are called to engage in the ministry of reconciliation until Christ returns. That's what I'm going to do. Some people don't like Paul. They say, we just need to do the words of Jesus. I don't like Paul's words, but give me Jesus. Well, here's Jesus. This is what Jesus says about our task when we're confronted with evil and wickedness and enemies and people hostile to the very foundations of what we believe. This is what Jesus says in Luke 6. This was in my daily reading plan. So I read this today because my wife and I are going through a Bible reading plan. You can find that at fairlyspiritual.org if you want, by the way. Um, let's just read this part, Luke 6, 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? You know where the gospel begins? It begins when we love people who don't love us. It's not a Christian expression to love those who love you. Anyone can do that. Christianity begins as being truly light in the world with where we love those who do not love us. You want to grow in your faith? There you go. You want to grow in Christ? There you go. You want to be light? You want to be life? You want to see Christ rise up in our midst? It's right here. Christ says this. He says, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. That's not just about money. That's lending your time, lending your friendship, lending your care. If you just lend to people where you're going to get something returned, you only feed into people who feed back into you. If you do that, you're no different than the biggest pagan on the earth. Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. This is what Jesus says. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. I don't like that scripture. That, that contradicts my heart and my intentions, but I believe the word of God, and this is what Jesus says. Jesus says this, God is kind to ungrateful and evil men. You know where Christ is? That's where Christ is. I mean, you can do what you want. You can. But I have to be constrained by the word of God. And this isn't just oh, some strange verse that Paul uh, talked about. Jesus speaks about it clearly. Paul speaks about it clearly. Be kind to ungrateful and evil men. 
Now, you can process what that is. And your kindness might look different than mine. But I would say, if you're not being motivated by the words of Christ, then you are not expressing Christ. You're just expressing the flesh. You're expressing your anger or your anxiety. And those things are real. There's nothing wrong with them. But we're called not to live according to how we feel, but according to what God has called us to do, regardless of our feelings. Jesus says, But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to the ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. I mean, I could go on. Justice, is justice still there? You bet. Can you speak the truth? Can you stop people from sinning? You know, justice can be this. If, if we see a wicked man or a wicked politician who's destroying the world, uh, it's our right, our obligation, our responsibility to stop them, to stop them from sinning against others. That's love. We don't want to lead that person into another sin if they're sinning against themselves and sinning against the nation and sinning against the world. Uh, you can say, I want that person removed. That, but that still needs to be an expression of love. Like, I... I'm going to try to find a way to love that person, and the best way to love them is to keep them from harming anyone else. But justice is the Lord's. So these are the thoughts. This is how I deal with these things. I know it'll offend some people, but I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm over, I don't understand. I, I saw the other day some Christian friends of mine just... To me, speaking madness, justifying madness. I haven't in the last four years and before that following Donald Trump, I haven't seen anything that's Christ-like in him. I haven't. I believe he's a narcissist and I believe he's dangerous. And I believe God answered prayers by electing uh, Biden. And I am praying that Donald Trump repents and that our nation heals from his destructiveness. But I know this, that there are people who've bought into the lies. And uh, we can try to throw them under the bus. We can just hate them and try to lock them all up and all that stuff. But you know what? I got to find a way to love and reconcile people, to bring them to the light. I get to be me. I'm not going to do it all right. I'm not Christ. Uh, and if you're Christ-like, you're going to have grace and acceptance. You're going to say, well, Doug's angry and... I don't quite understand what he's saying or even agree with it, but I'm not going to throw him under the bus. I'm going to find a way to love him. That's the thing. Right now, if you're a Christian and you think I'm an enemy by what I believe, what's the Bible say? You're supposed to love me. So even if you disagreed with everything I said about Donald Trump, you're still supposed to love me. But This argument of I'm going to unfriend you and not follow you and reject you and attack you and ridicule you and take my ball and go home, that's just not Christ. It's just not Christ-like. It's simply not the kingdom of God. Father God, we pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. And right now I pray someone whose eyes are closed would be open, uh, that you'd call them out from the darkness into the light. Uh, you are giving them permission to turn to you, to just simply say, I've been wrong and I'm going to do it better. I'm going to let your kingdom come and your will be done in my life. We welcome your presence, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, you can go to fairlyspiritual.org to find more information about what I'm about. Uh, if you want to pick up the book that's coming out in April, it's available. You can find out ways to do that on the site, Posting Peace, Why Social Media Divides Us and What We Can Do About It. 
You can also find a yearly Bible reading plan there. It's not too late to pick that up as well. I love you guys. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Thank you for your grace and your kindness. We might not always agree, but we can genuinely be Christ to one another. Love each other deeply, for this is the mission of every single Christian. I will see you next time. Another-